Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week, my guest is TJ Cummings. Now, TJ is a good friend of mine. Um, she's actually been on the podcast before, for any of you long-time listeners. Uh, she was back in episode two. Um, she spoke about some of her travels around Asia and that sort of thing. So if you're interested in travel, and especially other cultures, and if you're interested in potentially backpacking and things, go all the way back to episode two and, you know, give that one a listen. Uh, but this podcast is more of a sort of, we had a few drinks and it was a bit of a ramble, but in a good way, you know, it's not some sort of weird, horrendous, slurred noise, otherwise I definitely wouldn't release it. Um, but it's just one of those ones where there was no specific top subject to speak about that we like kind of sat down and thought about. So we just kind of flicked on the mics and started chatting. Now, some of the subjects that we covered were actually the age of consent, um, homosexuality, um, creative writing, um, how sort of trauma and a sort of childhood affects sexuality and things, um, perception of nature, animal senses, language, loads of things really, immortality. It's, it's a huge, it's a, it's a wide umbrella of topics and things. So trying to tr sort of just list them all it's going to be boring and it, the, the conversation flitters between them so quickly so you know just have to tune in to find out another thing to quickly add is that in this conversation me and tj talk about the age of consent and we speak about the vatican and she mentions that vatican city don't have an age of consent um i should have looked it up in the podcast but i didn't um i've looked it up now and essentially the age of consent was like 12 and it was quite uh sort of the punishment wasn't that bad for it whereas now it's been moved to 18 it got moved a couple years back it's now been moved up to 18 um and the punishments become more serious um if you want to know any more about that it's what i'd say research and look into it but i just wanted to flag that up in case any of you guys hear that and then get up in arms about it it not being correct. I've just uh, put a pin in that already. Now, before we get started, there's a quick promo from the Folklore on the Rocks podcast. As always, I've included a link to their podcast in the show notes, so be sure to check that out wherever you get your podcasts. And that's about it, really, guys. So, you know, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, you know, Instagram, I put photos along with a lot of the podcasts as well as snippets. So if you're on the fence of any episodes, you know, that's the best place to go. Um, and I'll be back at the end to talk about more things coming um and just let you know other stuff really so be sure if you're after the chat if you're interested in some more things of genuine chit chat be sure to tune in for that anyway guys on to the show hi there i'm logan and i'm Lindsay. And we host the new podcast, Folklore on the Rocks, where we talk about folklore and lesser-known creatures, cryptids, and monsters from around the world. So when we say lesser-known, we mainly mean that we won't be covering creatures like Bigfoot or Nessie or Chupacabra, just because they're discussed so often, and the world just has so many other awesome options to draw from. Every two weeks, we will be diving deep into the legends and culture that surround a specific creature, and getting a little bit tipsy while we do so. But don't worry, we do our research sober. <laughs> On the weeks in between, we're going to be narrating and discussing folktales. Some will be historical folklore from the regions that our creatures are from, and some will be modern folklore, such as no sleeps and creepypastas. Ooh. You can find out more about us on our website, FolkloreOnTheRocks.com, on Facebook and Instagram at FolkloreOnTheRocks, on Twitter at FolkloreRocks. So grab a drink, join us, and come on, let's dig deep together. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. Here's a question. What would what would you do if you have what, what power would you have? If you have any magic power. Just straight up. Like 
Hmm. Anything. I would say probably shape-shifting or flying, one of the two. But if you're well, shape a shape-shifter, you can fly. Wings, exactly. Mm, mm, that's a yeah. good one. That's a good one. Um, what about immortality? Will that ever be anything? Like some people are really against it and some people are really for it. It's interesting seeing who is more and isn't is more for it and more against it. I don't know. I feel as though living forever, you would just get bored eventually. I don't, I don't know. I feel like more time on this planet would definitely be great. But... It's uh, it's a very long process having to live out every type of life possible before you can die. Yeah, well, I think it'd have to be a point of like you can choose when to kind of give it up. That would be fine because like, if you can just get to a point, like, I'm just kind of done. Yeah, but then that's not. I don't know. It depends how long you'd actually want to live because it's not necessarily immortality. Yeah, I don't know how long if I. Like, it depends what mortality is in the sense of, like, is it, like, immortality where the, the Earth explodes and you're just flowing through space and still alive? Or is it, like, you just live until the Earth dies? Or what? what the immortality doesn't explain space very well. In the, no. Mainly because I think it's a lot of time like, to be in gods. And it's very uh, religion-orientated, like Greek and Roman and that sort of thing. Yeah. That's quite a lot about them all being on Earth. Also, a lot of people tend to consider physics on this planet as, like, originating from this planet. People don't really think of it in terms of the universe is a thing and the way in which the laws of physics work, they work around the planet instead of sort of from it or through it, as it were. Yeah, well, it's like that whole... One of my ideas um, of how kind of life is a lot is energy... Like the th- what defines as something being alive is kind of like consciousness, and we don't know what consciousness really is. So what what exactly makes something conscious? Like the question comes from up, you know, when you do sort of AI, and you, you do AI. There we go. When um you come to the, the sort of moral philosophical questions about AI and sort of moral relativism and things like that, and it's like when you if you create something like that how do you know if it's conscious or not and it's like if we're using energy but in a sort of you know a mechanical or electrical circuit then how is that different from an organic one and you get these weird deep rabbit holes of moral questioning yeah and I think about some of those sort of uh things when it comes to like physics and the light and things and that's how we start the podcast that's it still straight in there yep. now i've gone so far in all right then the rest of it will be a, a slow climb up a hill that's okay. It. <laughs> yeah. That's how it's going to be. Um, but yeah, I want to get you on because we had a nice old chat last time. It was about a year ago, wasn't it? Yeah. And roughly. just in brief, uh, last year, what sort of what were you getting up to when we spoke about just like people who haven't heard the second podcast of Genuine Chit Chat? Just like you went traveling. Yeah, um, I went around Southeast Asia. Uh, it was. Absolutely incredible, and I spoke to Mike about uh, various adventures I went on and horrible, terrible decisions I made whilst <laughs> I was gone. Um, and uh, we spoke a little bit about movies as well, I believe. We did, yeah, sure. we did talk about movies. Small, a small bit, but sadly, I haven't been away on any trips since then, so I have no new stories. No, yeah. well, you no know, new stories at all. You've done 
I've done nothing in the last year. I've actually just sat inside with the curtains drawn and not spoken to anybody for a whole year. This is the first time I've come out <laughs> specifically for this podcast. So that's it. That's like, uh, that's why we've been wearing the hoodie up the whole time because you don't want to get too exactly. much sunlight. You, you're just kind of hiding away from it. Yeah. I don't want anybody to recognize me because then, you know, everybody will know I'm back on the grid and things will get, things will go south very quickly for me, I feel. Yeah, that's that, that makes sense. Yeah, be a little hermit. Just go out, live into, go into the cabin in the woods. Have you yeah. seen that movie? I have. What do you think? It's, it's weird. <laughs> the oh, ending just is weird. <laughs> I love it. I think it's a great movie. It's crazy and unexpected the whole time. It's it's less unexpected and more completely full of cliches and that's everything is predictable. But then, apart from that one bit, and yeah, it's, it, like, it's oh. like a whole <laughs> subtle thing to like. This is how you can just easily make a horror film and it's like subtly with the scientists doing the thing they're doing is like yeah. oh intrigue mm. I see yeah. yeah I like that sort of thing in my movies um, but also in my series have you watched Bojack Horseman I have a little bit yeah you're, you're dabbling you're dabbling I am dabbling you're I, dabbling far too much in this world you've got to throw yourself in it's very funny I will give you that it's very funny I just I if I'm going to watch a series like that I want to watch it from start to finish so mm. And a lot of the time I've watched episodes, it's been just with friends. They've just put it on and we've all it's, watched it. It's got some great episodes of standalone, but really it's the characters sort of in it. that They're so interesting. And like Kieran describes it as the most, uh, sort of the most accurate depiction of depression in a person mm. he's ever seen on like TV and stuff. And that's yeah. what Bojack has. And yeah. it's just like, it's really interesting way of looking at it it's like yeah because the whole thing about Bojack is everyone's just really fucked up in different ways that's <laughs> yeah, kind of it it's like really really shit things happen to people because it's just that's what life is it's like really shit stuff happens sometimes and there's not really a lot you can do about it and it's like you have to learn to deal with it or learn to not deal with it and start to destroy yourself it's like it's a really really good show for that not that yeah. I obviously believe in the latter that would be a bit yeah. too I'm not really up for that I'm kind of more of a try and get on with it no, I haven't been watching that many uh, animated series recently. I, actually, I, I tell a lie. I watched Big Mouth. Everyone's been watching Big Mouth except me. It's I so the first, great. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to cave. I'm, I'm currently watching... I'm, I'm watching Bojack and then when I finish that, I was going to start The Good Place. But just to get on fucking... Because everyone I know is talking about it. It's absolute gold. There there are some parts of it which... I watched the first two episodes. Yeah. I just wasn't the biggest fan of Big yeah. Mouth. But I'm wrong because everyone fucking loves it except me. So I was like, yeah. okay. And everyone's like, yeah, the first couple episodes are okay. And it's like, I'll rewatch it. I did it with It's Always Sunny. The second season's better. I actually know that that's a bit of a lie. The first Why'd season is podcast? better in certain... Sorry? Why'd you lie on this podcast? Because I don't like How can you, you do this? We were, we're barely into it and you're already lying. Yeah. I, I've lied to you pretty much 24-7 since we met. So you're, none of your names are correct. No. Uh, your age? Are you like a fifty-seven-year-old like dude? Excuse you, fifty-five? <laughs> Jesus, no. Um, that'd be a big plot twist in my life. If you're a fifty-seven-year-old man, would you have to start reevaluating things? There'd be certain things I would have to reevaluate. Yes. Yeah. But it'd also be how could you not tell? Not you, I. Like, like even just talking to someone, like you think that you'd. Uh, my penis isn't any. Yeah, that's it. So. That's that's one way of having it. Yeah. That, to be fair, you could. Uh, can, do you think uh, people can identify like age? Do you think that's like um, you know transgender? Obviously, right? Yeah, people that identify as a different age from what they actually are. Yeah. Um, I've seen it happen. Um, 
my general life life philosophy is just if it's not hurting anybody, then it's fine. Yeah, yeah. And people can get on with it. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I. It's not really my sort of place to say because I don't, I've never experienced something like that, so I can't even begin to understand it. So, how can I possibly make a judgment on something I don't understand? Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's, with me, I think when there's like. It's obviously difficult because I'm, I'm not even in anyone's shoes who's transgender or even homosexual. I'm, you know, a straight white dude in the UK in 2018. Like, it's pretty, as far as privilege goes, I'm pretty high up on the ladder of a lot of things. Mm. So it's like, I the struggles I've had aren't in the same realms as those people. Um, it, you have to look at it with a certain set of eyes. Because one of the main one that comes to mind is the man who was 57 or something. He had several kids and he identified as a six-year-old, six-year-old girl. girl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that is one of those things where it's like, I, I guess he should be free to do that, but there are kids involved. Not that they shouldn't necessarily be around that more. So he, if he's acting like a six-year-old girl, he wouldn't really be able to take care of them in a proper way. So he's basically just giving up his parenting uh, responsibilities to pursue this and it's like how far does one or not allow because that makes it sound like it's my choice but w- at what point does it become too much i mean i suppose it's on an individual basis but it's like if it's detrimental to the daughters growing up and their own mental health then maybe it's something that should be looked into but uh, i suppose it depends what his dynamic is with his family because mm. he might just have this he, I, I can't remember if it's true or not, but I remember hearing something about him uh, finding another family right. that would treat him like that six-year-old girl, okay. like he felt. And mm. um, in that case, he is abandoning the family. So it is, uh, it's a different thing. But I mean, pl- plenty of people abandon their families for oh, all yeah. sorts of reasons. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah it shouldn't be demonized. This, like, for example, if someone is, yeah, uh, one, one would. Here's a moral question: From if it was an 18-year-old girl who identified as a 50-year-old girl, um, 50-year-old woman, Christ, um, and then so she ended up sleeping with men that age. Now, with me personally, from my own views, I have no worry of women of 18 and up sleeping with anyone older. Obviously, 16 is the legal age in the UK, and it's like, well, if a 16-year-old really wants to sleep with a 60-year-old dude, there are 16-year-old boys who would sleep, and I'm sure have slept with like women in old folks' homes, like super old women, like 60-year-old women. So like, if if they're fine with it, like why do I? I don't give a fuck. It's still I mean? statutory, though. If they're 16 and someone's 70. Yeah, if it's if if they're under 18, mm. then yeah. If it's um somebody over in England, the age in England, it's 16. No, no, for here, the age of consent is 16, but the legal age of an, of actually being an adult is 18. So if you, if it's somebody over the age of 16, then they can, then they can give consent, but if it's under 18, then it's still statutory, so it's not rape, but. So how. This is just what I've heard from uh, one of my friends a couple of days ago. I'm going to have to fact check this. Definitely do that. Because otherwise, one of, I bet we're both wrong. And then what will happen is that it will be something else like, no, you can't ever have sex in England. They made it a law. <laughs> Isn't it crazy that, um, like, my mum, I think your parents, lived through the the time when being gay was illegal. Mm. That's yeah. meant, like, I was talking to a friend of mine on the podcast, Stephen. He was talking about this, um, they had a, a gay language essentially called Polari. Mm. 
and it was theatrical rhyming slang. And that's where cottaging came from, the word cottaging. Right. And it's like they, back before it was legal, there'd be like this radio broadcast and certain other ways of getting it. And you'd learn certain things. And you'd sit on, like, if you walked in a park and saw a dude sitting on a bench by himself, you could, like, sit next to him and say something in Polari. I don't obviously know any of it. Um, and if he was like, what? You'd be just walk away. But if he said something back, you'd know he's gay. And you can, you and know, he's that's. DTF. Yeah, exactly. And that's what can happen with. Uh, I, it, the more I think about it, just the more how baffles me. Like why it was illegal. What, what was the thought process when? Like I know what a lot of the American views are of it, sort of being this uh, religious backed thing. But in England, like basically just the late sixties, and that's madness. Mm. That's ridiculous. Why is that even? It was for two world wars. It was still quite a religious thing. You've got to remember that England was a very religious country until recently, mm. and as much as. As, as much as it did go on for a long time, um, sort of homosexuality being against the law, um, it I feel as though it, it sort of separated itself from the law the same in uh, around the same sort of time the uh, religion separated itself from state law. Yeah, like um, there was that sort of step back, and everybody mm. instead of making judgments on other people based on religious reasons Mm -hmm. it was based on socio reasons and that's a good point people like uh oliver wilde for example who suffered greatly because they were homosexual oscar wilde was um imprisoned for two years i believe uh Mm -hmm. due to being uh homosexual and having some sort of affair with a duke or a general or something um but that was that was still happening all throughout the twentieth century, and then even oh, this the step towards making it a legal thing. I feel was um, definitely something to do with stepping away from religion within society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially because like the most of the major religious doctrine mentions something about it. Obviously, the Quran and the uh, the Bible being two of the main ones, but obviously in England back at those times there weren't. I imagine there wasn't very much sort of. Uh, Muslims living in uh, the UK, so it would just be the Bible and Catholics and Christians and things. But then in other parts of the world, with varying religions across the whole globe, there is certain homosexual uh, unpleasantries, I'd say. It's probably worse than that, but, you know, in the Bible and obviously around a few other things, it's just like, it wasn't something... I'm trying to think, it's in Greece, though. Like, with Greece, where they had, um, I think that well, obviously when they had the Greeks and the Greek gods, they weren't, there was like no such thing as homosexuality. It was just everyone just Ooh, had sex that, with whoever. Um, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it? everyone just fucked whoever. So it was just like, there was no gay or straight or bi, you just, if, hey, what are you doing, Barry? Are you um, Hot fa- piece fucking of Elliot? Are you fucking um, you know, Benji? Or are you going to get with a woman? So I like, don't know, I see what I fancy. You know, I'm more into dudes, but you know, Literally. go women. So no labeling, nothing. It's yeah. just do whatever the hell you want. Well, a lot of uh, Greek and Roman armies, Roman especially, um, they would sleep with their um, with their sort of brothers, as it were, their brothers yeah. in arms. They would um, the, oftentimes they would have partners in the army because, of course, they're away from home for incredible periods of time, off fighting whoever, um, and they developed these incredible bonds and they had this belief that um, sleeping with your partners in battle would actually help you to protect them better yeah. on the battlefront as well. Yeah. Um, which 
was an interesting for me thing for me to find out. I uh, think I remember reading about that in A Song of Achilles, which is a okay. fiction book. Um, oh, I can't for the life of me remember the name at the moment, but it's essentially about um, Achilles, the you know uh, Roman, Roman, I believe, or Greek. No, I think it's Greek. Uh, um, I think it's Greek. But uh, the hero and uh, Patrocles, who is his friend and supposed lover, and there's lots of evidence that point towards them being lovers i see that's interesting yeah yeah because it's, it's just it's interesting where parts of the world it's basically the, the more the higher religiosity it is i imagine for a lot of things i, I have no idea about uh, the hindu faith regarding homosexuality i'm not sure if you know anything I, I i honestly i only really know a small amount about uh islam and i know a fair amount about christianity and catholicism that's mm. and i say fair amount i mean more than the average but not an expert by any means. Well, in Hinduism, it's um, it actually caused. Well, I don't know so much about modern Hinduism, but I know that it uh, used to cause great shame uh, in the families for uh, people who would come out as homosexual. And there are lots of cases of um, sort of men, especially, uh, being discovered together, and then their families just completely separating and cutting all ties usually some sort of horrible repercussions for the men involved um but yeah no it's not very uh it's not very nicely looked upon that's very interesting um, i'm trying to think if there's anything else which any other places because like certain nations like australia and america are obviously much younger mm. uh, than asia africa and sort of europe yeah. well um, south africa um there's quite a uh, there's quite a big prejudice against it over there um racism and uh homo- homophobia and i know in uganda it's illegal like um, yeah no, i know that yeah. for sure yeah and across a lot of africa it is but um i was very surprised to see the sort of extent of it in south africa i haven't been there myself but i've recently made a couple of friends from there and they've been explaining to me what the situa- situation is like over there and it's actually quite shocking I wonder what I wonder what it is. It, it must just be like not. I'm, I'm not trying to obviously say that. I'm not trying to want to clarify. Justify homophobia has obviously. I think it's even if you feel something. I, I obviously don't. But even if you feel like oh that's gross, it's like it's not your place to really say or do anything about. It. It's just like it's people. They think what you do is gross. That's what that's what people don't think about. Is like because with like disgust is actually a lot of people class it as an emotion. So mm. it's like sexually if i obviously had i'm a straight white male obviously so it's like i have um if i had a just a, a giant penis in front of me it's not gonna do it for me you know it's not it's really not like straight men there's, there's dancing so, around the topic yeah. of penises as it, always it's just like there's there's dudes there are dudes that i think are attractive like chris hemsworth bradley Cooper, that sort of thing but i'm not attracted to them because dick is just not for me at all it's just nope no no, no. so it's just like it's it's not like, uh, I, I hate anything, uh, anyone wanting to do that. It's the same the way I feel about, like, I hate cauliflower. We were talking about this earlier. Like, you like cauliflower with uh, cheese, but, like, not the cream cheese, <laughs> like proper cheese, like cheddar or parmesan well, or something. I, I can't say I've ever had cauliflower with just cheese on it, but I just, I imagine it would oh, be okay. wonderful. Just, just because I'm not the biggest fan of cheese sauce. So if I'm going to mm. have cauliflower cheese, why not just have straight up cheese? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I feel the same. But it's like that, you know, you... You like cauliflower 
and you imagine that you like it with cheese. I really just hate cauliflower. It's like, just because me putting cauliflower in my mouth does not fill me with happiness, it doesn't mean I should stop other people from feeling that way. <laughs> and it's the same with penises and it's the same with vaginas, you know? Exactly. It, as long as you're not hurting anyone. So it's obviously like, and as long as there's a, not some degree of essentially abuse going on, which is, I, I just looked up, by the way, and I'm nice to brown. Um, you are correct. I wasn't aware of that. You can be, have, in the UK, you can have sex when you're 16, but if you're 18 or over, you can't have sex when you're under yeah. 18. So it's, if you're between 16 and 18, you can or only 16, have sex 17. with other 16 to 18 yeah. years. It's interesting. It was funny because like, I've had... 17, yeah. yeah. I've had friends who remain nameless for obviously reasons what I'm about to explain, where they've dated women older than them when they're in school and had sex with them. And then the partner, because they're older than them, would become of age to then be affected by the law. Yeah. And then it's technically illegal. And exactly. That, it's a very weird thing of like saying, if, if it was like, you know tonight it's quarter to nine like if you've got like three hours in the time and then you want to have sex with someone and it's like wait i have to wait 15 minutes just stood here and watched an episode of something on tv and then like right that period of time that's gone now i went from not being able to to be able to and it's that weird thing which i do agree with on one hand but how else do you like uh, what's the word damage control in a sense you know what i mean no well like for example if you didn't have an age of consent that was young then, or not young, but if you don't have an age of consent, then obviously it would mean that paedophilia is legal. So saying that you have to be 18 to consent um, with anyone over 18, it's like if you were a week younger than someone, it means that in that week that they go 18 and you go 17, you could technically be punished. And you have to wait that specific time, that day, or that hour even, of the date changing to make you old enough. And that's really weird to think about, of just like, now you're old enough when you weren't before there's no been no immediate change yeah but obviously the counterpoint of that is we have to have a line somewhere yeah no completely it's uh it's a strange one if if there wasn't a massive amount of people on the planet as there are right now then we could probably manage to do it in a society as a case-by-case basis but there's just too many of us and the law can't track everything so they have to make that rigid sort of timed structure mm. so that everybody adheres to it although fun fact vatican city the vatican city does not have an age of consent yep i i, I wasn't aware that that was the case but i did know that whenever popes fuck little boys they just get moved to the vatican and the vatican is its own country so it has yeah. its own laws and it has diplomatic well, community so it does not- have laws there are some laws um from it Italy around it that do that they've sort of kept there obviously so important stuff but apparently the uh, legal age of consent is not important enough for them and they've just sort of left it mm, that's uh, certainly interesting but not at all uh, surprising yeah there's a there's a few countries around the world or a few places rather around the world that have uh, different ideas on the age of consent and all different ideas on sexuality altogether. Like there are a tri- there are certain tribes in Brazil that when when they have a coming of age ceremony for the boys in the tribe, uh, they will take the elders and the elders in the in the village. So the men will take them into the wilderness and they have to survive out there. But then to complete the ceremony they have to drink the semen of yep. the older men i've heard about that yeah yeah because they think it makes them like men doesn't it it's like yeah. a, them drinking that makes them into yeah. a man like a uh, like a bar mitzvah almost. yeah in a sense yeah B- 
but instead of yeah it's funny with the Jewish faith that you get your foreskin cut off and then that that sort of <laughs> tribe you drink semen yeah yeah I've, I've heard about that before I was actually going to bring it up earlier when we were talking about all the stuff and then I obviously got sidetracked because that's how I roll when you have these sort of conversations where there's just no specific point yeah you just go everywhere and there's so many half finished conversations exactly like me and Bradley had that chat and it was just <laughs> I don't know what we were talking about dying around we were talking about plum bumble crumble at one point yep hmm. yeah that the, the first few podcasts you did were uh, were a sight to behold. Absolutely brilliant, hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, you've definitely found your structure a little bit more as time's gone on with it. Yeah, it also depends on the guests. Because, like, <laughs> for example, if every single one of them was like this, then not as many people would want to listen. But if there's people who have got like specific things they want to talk about, like other podcasts and stuff, like I was on a Skype call a couple of days ago with Dr. Glenn Livingston. Um, and he sold sixty thousand, sorry, six hundred thousand copies of a book called Never Binge Again, and it's just all about how you can teach yourself psychologically to not binge anymore. And he's like a, he's a, got a PhD, he's a doctor. Um, he was like the CEO of certain companies and stuff, and he's just like had loads of experience, yeah. and he's just launching this whole campaign and stuff. It's just really cool and interesting. But with him, he he'd done quite a few podcasts before, so he knew kind of how it was. But there's some people that go on here and they're just like a mate of mine that have not spoken into a microphone before ever. Yeah. And they're like, you've put this metal thing in front of me and I don't know how many people are listening to this. And if anything I say is stupid, everyone's going to think about it. <laughs> don't have to worry. Most of my listeners are American, surprisingly. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's American. It's about half. I think England's about a third and the rest are just like scattered. That's excellent. I was actually, I got a notification from Charterball that I was like the 93 best in Uruguay in it's like some sort of random thing that I was barely even like it, it wasn't like sport but it was something similar to that I was like what the fuck I was like, <laughs> it might have been actually because I had one where I spoke about with Dom about uh, more sporty things and uh, was it airsoft and things like that I don't know but I just got a notification yeah just Excellent. 93rd in Uruguay in some category so thanks Uruguay <laughs> listeners uh, I haven't been staying you it's a lot of fun love being in, in Britain yeah famous all over the world mate that's it I just need that one or two people in every continent no in every country rather to know me yeah and know who I am see this is what I love about knowing so many people online in our current in our sort of modernised society I've got so many online friends on Facebook and on Instagram etc and no one in real life likes you sorry no one in real life likes you that's why rude yeah it's true though isn't it well, same with me you don't that's have to say here. it out loud that's why we're here same about both of us same because we we've talk. got nothing better to do. Block everyone else out. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, let's put a pin in that. Because you're <laughs> wrong, but you know, it's fine. Um, <laughs> no, it's uh, I've got there is there are so many friends that I've got online, which is like well, I say friends, acquaintances. Um which is brilliant <laughs> because bae. it means that <laughs> when I do manage to get around to um putting a lot more effort into my writing and actually getting something published for the well not for the first time but you know for get get a proper novel out there is what I want to aim for in the next couple years but once I do that I have to decide if I want to go down the public the sort of publisher route if I want to get somebody else to publish it for me or if Mm. I want to try and do it myself and if I did do it myself if I went and got it bound and everything I could um potentially create 
avenues through the contacts that I've made over the years, not just online, but but also through my travels and whatnot as well. Mm, um, create avenues through different countries and just have books sent out there. Yeah. That's a good shout. Well, if you ever do write a book, you know, give me a shout. Come on the podcast, pro. Yeah, you can be a yeah, you can be a little make a little ad or some shit. Like, yeah. come over here and then just chat about the book, and I have like a little ad running for like a, a few weeks, like a month or so. I'm gonna create a completely a cappella jingle to <laughs> promote my book, and uh, I'm just gonna sit here and you're gonna sing it with me. I've got a terrible voice, but I would happily do that. We should get Callum over, get him to do it as well. <laughs> he, no, I'm sorry, but I'm not interested in having some emo kid sit next to me and scream into a microphone. Oh, harsh words. <laughs> Callum, Callum's a great singer. <laughs> he is a great singer. No, I, um, I've i no, promoted his band to a few of no, my friends. Sorry? You've already said it. You've already said the horrible stuff by Callum. He's gonna. He listens to every single podcast. So he's gonna take me right now. He doesn't. Callum That's, doesn't listen to anything you do. No, he doesn't at all. <laughs> I think he listens to one and a half podcasts, as in enough minutes per you know, over like a few podcasts to make. Um, and he's like, yeah, listen to most of your first one, a bit of your second one, and a bit of, you know. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> not going to listen to any mind. of these. He's too busy sat trying to flirt with women who aren't interested he's in him. He's got a girlfriend and, now. Oh, really? Yeah. Good for him. They've been together, actually, I think it's very similar time to me and Megan. I think it's like a within weeks. I, I can't remember if he's been with uh, his girlfriend longer or I've been with Megan longer. So That's so cute. Oh, my God. Yeah. Callum found a woman who would yeah. have thunk it yeah we all thought it was going to be a boy didn't we yeah definitely yeah but young you know. boy <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you want kids one day oh god um, I've I've actually thought about this a little bit more as I've come into my 21st year of life because since I've known you you've always been quite a, a wanderlust you've always that kind of <laughs> yeah. moving around a lot and, and that's not necessarily unsustainable with children it's just depends what sort of thing you'd want to do if you did have them yeah Yeah, nomadic culture is definitely a little bit trickier with kids i Mm. think if i ever did have a child i would want them to have a fairly stable life like i'd I'd definitely want them to see some of the world and i would try and make sure that we had the uh had the money available so i could take them and show them different cultures and Mm. but if um I don't know. I think I would. I would have children at some point in the future. But if I would, if I if I did, I would adopt. I think. Okay. Yeah. I've I'm had, I've got not a couple that, of like that. Not that personally interested in carrying a baby, to be honest, and not not just for the reasons that pregnancy is a bitch, but um, also because there are so many children in in this world that are stuck in the system and mm. they don't have a proper family and. That's not right. I mean, I was um, very briefly when I was moved from my mother to my father, I, would, I was nearly put into the system myself. So that close brush with it really sort of put 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 that kind of thing in perspective for me and realised that, yeah, there are... Why why bring another life into this world when you can just help a, another life that already exists have a little bit of happiness? Yeah, I think that's a term. It's like light antinatalism, just which I understand. I, I totally respect. I look at that sort of mindset similarly to the way I look at veganism, which mm. is I believe there should be a certain percentage of people who feel that way and do that. And mm. there's probably more people who should, myself included, but I'm, you know, I'm not currently in the mindset of adoption necessarily. I'm not closed off to it, but I do want a child of my own. Um, but also with veganism, so I do appreciate it, but for my own 
health you have to take a lot of vitamins for it and things like that and like I have issues with my family anyway with a lot of stomach things it's just like I'd rather just eat what I like a good balanced diet that I've kind of found that I like and just ease up on the meat and like have vegan stuff when I can and things like that mm. at times but it's the same with antinatalism it's like there's certain mindsets like my dad always used to say um, which I don't necessarily I think I still do agree with at the moment but it's this, I'm not saying I always agree with this but like he would vote Green Party, but he wouldn't want Green Party to win like the whole election because yeah. he didn't think the Green Party could run a whole country because he's not experienced enough. What he wanted is them to get a few seats in. So when they come up with good ideas and the public react to them, then other people in other parties use those ideas, mm. like recycling, you yeah. know, th- no, that, that sort of thing. It's definitely an interesting way to go. And that's kind of what one needs to look at other people's opinions, both sexualities and obviously sexualities are different to opinions because opinions can be changed. Sexualities, I suppose they can probably... Do you think sexuality can change? Not like... I'm not talking about someone who's gay and they're being forced into a life of, uh, you know, uh, heterosexuality by like a religious camp or anything heinous like that. I'm thinking more... Do people actually have like a second sexual awakening like when they're 50 or whatever and then they suddenly like the other part, like other sex? Or is it... Would you think it's more of a case of it's always been there but the right person sort of thing? I think that people change and you don't know that you don't like something until you try it. So definitely I think that also everybody experiments. Mm. So I feel as though, yes, there are definitely people who can go their whole lives without ever realising that there's this whole other experience that is open to them Mm. and that they can try. And then once they do, they can make that decision well, I say make that decision. Make the decision whether to follow what they feel. Mm. And um, some people can have that realisation and still continue to live life as whatever sexuality they are at that time. And um, I've seen I've seen my friend my friends go through some, you know, massive sexual awakening where they realise that they have that they are actually gay or mm you know, bi or anything like that. Uh, They can do that at 16, 17, you know, or it can happen very much later in life. I've I've got a couple of my uh, dad's friends who have recently said that they're a bit confused about their sexuality. One of them is confused about their gender identity as well. And things like that can happen. I, I wish it happened less and people could live a larger percentage of their life the way they actually do feel but I don't know about changing I don't know whether people can become a sexuality I think it is always there somebody just has to realise it about themselves yeah well there's two uh, paths to go with this conversation uh, what I'm thinking of which was one is there is unfortunately a traumatic side of things which there's certain people who've uh, argued uh, one example is obviously the one of the most grey area and difficult subjects to talk about in modern times, which is paedophilia, which is obviously one of the things with that. I'm not justifying it or anything along those lines in any way, but there is an undeniable correlation between young children who are sexually abused and ones who become sexual abusers. And the weird thing with that is just like, Obviously, you do not. When they do something like that, you do not forgive them. Or 
where is the forgiveness line is more of a sort of a question and talking even talking about this is such a dangerous thing to talk about because it's like that's when it comes to that sort of thing it's like if someone is abused and they become the abuser when they do that action that's when they should get punished essentially but with that degree of trauma there's someone i know um who they were abused and they believe they're abused by a certain gender and they've they're no they're not attracted to that gender and they've told me honestly they've said that i believe because i was abused by that i actually don't i feel like that repulsed me so much at a certain age that actually yeah it it made me the way i also am and this person was saying like i'm not i'm not saying it's a problem it's not i'm not necessarily saying it's causing me loads of issues at the moment i've kind of got over that part of my life but i think it's just how i am now and it's an interesting thought of that sort of impact people can have especially on children like when you get like abusers and people who beat children and you think of the further you go into child psyche the more horrendous damage you can do when you don't bring up a child in like a proper yeah. home yeah i think that up until up until the age of sort of somewhere between 16 and 24 a lot of people's brains are still developing and especially people who are abused at a young at a young age so sort of you know turning younger um i think that because their brains are still developing if some sort of event is traumatic enough or shakes up their life enough then they are going to have some sort of reaction to it, whether that reaction is subconscious or whether it's at the forefront of their mind and they are aware of it when they make the decisions they do and the choices they do. Once once your brains have finished developing, most things are sort of set in stone. A lot of, a lot of adults, it's so much easier to change a child's opinion than an adult's opinion mm. on a lot of issues. And once once you get to that point obviously a lot of people are more open open-minded once they get a bit older and they experience different things and they realize that being closed-minded isn't the best way to go but it's the things that happen to you when you're an adult aren't going to change you in the same ways it does when you're a child so if something um like a divorce if you watch your parents or your friends go through a divorce at 30 years old that's not going to affect you nearly as much as when you're a child because you've got different factors. You've got the relationship with your parents that's still developing at that age. You've got um, the impact on your home life and everything, which, again, can alter a child's mood if their home life isn't perfect, and that's going to create a whole bunch of new problems, as it were. So there are things like divorce and like sexual abuse as well that when they do happen at a young age it can it can affect the mind to go down a specific route so i completely agree i think i feel as though that experience as a child can put you off of a certain gender or a certain sexuality or a certain um sort of mindset as you get older yeah it's it's a very it's a very interesting thing because a lot of the time I, I did some psychology in college, so I'm in no way, shape, or form an expert. I've just picked up things from since then, and obviously from that. And there's certain stages that children go through that Freud described. You know, the things the oral, the anal, and phallic stages of development. Um, and it's sort of he says things like, you know, if you have um, a, a dummy or a dodo, whatever people call it, a pacifier in your mouth from a young age and have it in your mouth for in air quotes too long for however too long is for the baby i don't know 
then they can develop an oral fixation, which can manifest in things like biting fingernails, chewing pens, mm. you know, smoking, eating. It, it's all these sorts of things that can happen. Um, and there's other things like one of the theories was um, anal. In one of the anal stages, one of the main things in that is if you, if the baby sort of shits its nappy, how quickly you change its nappy or how quickly its nappy gets changed will affect its personality in different ways. Obviously, depending on what your genes are, is like a sort of a mixing pot of its own and then experiences there's even more things added to that to kind of develop and form you as an individual so it's like you can have a hundred babies go through like the same thing but they'd react to it slightly differently mm. uh, one 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 thing I, I use is myself and reese um he moved around a lot when he was younger and so he um the moving around a lot he didn't meet people uh quite as much until he was sort of more uh like 10 to 12 13 that sort of age but he was always with his siblings but in like he shared a room with his brother a lot mm. and now he lot he likes his space a lot more you know that sort of thing whereas with me i stayed in two places and with my parents and i didn't have that many friends to that sort of age as well but i was in one stable place the whole time mm. and so what's happened with me is and because i wasn't living with siblings in my house or in any of my space I now crave to be around people all the time and Reese, obviously the way he is, he's like the opposite. Yeah. Um, he's, he doesn't want to see people as often as I do. I'm much more an extrovert. He's more an introvert. Whereas Kieran, much more similar growing up to me. He's an only child, lived with his parents in I think one or two places over his life generally. Same sort of general life. Mm. But he he's more like Reese in being an introvert. Because what happened is that he got used to his own space and liked being in his own space sort of thing. Yeah. Whereas with me, I liked other people being in it. And just like, just those three as an example, me and Reese have much more similar mindsets, but me and Kieran have much more similar upbringings. And how we're different, but how similar situations can affect us. It's really, the human condition is such, it's like a, it's like a Rubik's Cube of like 10th, what's more than that? It's like a million like pieces, isn't it? It's like a Rubik's Cube of a million uh, squares on one side. Yeah. No, I get that. I, I feel as though there are a lot of things that can happen through a child's upbringing that affects them. Like, my um, myself, but I lived with my mother until I was four, and during that time, wasn't a great mother, I don't know, um, sort of left me to my own devices quite a lot, and I feel as though that definitely contributed to how much of an independent person I am now. I, I really prefer to be on my own, to work on my own, but at the same time... I grew up in a pub with my dad after that. So I've got that social aspect of me where I can happily sit with a group full of people and have a wonderful time, have lots of conversations. I'll meet strangers without any problems. You know, I have no problem making a dick of myself in public. And I love that kind of thing. But equally, I want to go home and I want to spend some time by myself for a little while. I've, I've sort of got the got the best of both, as it were. Yeah, for some people it would kind of flip, you know, for some people it would. And it's just interesting of what, it's almost, I kind of describe it, I kind of said in the podcast before, but almost like your parents and your genes from the get-go is kind of like a tree stump, right? And it's the type of tree is planted in the ground sort of thing. And then what it is, is that every experience of your life, like a certain period, uh, let's say from zero to three or zero to two and then two to you know, six and six to ten, but that sort of thing until a certain point, obviously 20 to 30. And, um, but every 
five or so years, it's each part kind of splits off. So you've got the trunk is the first few years and how you your first couple of years go in life develop the trunk. And then it goes in two ways when you have another thing and another thing and another thing. And every like, sort of time in your life, it splits again. And then when one goes through either trauma or when one goes through times of real, really good times, it's really nourishment to both mentally and physically and things, they grow stronger, these parts. They blossom more, they change more. But a traumatic experience can be like a lightning bolt coming down and just slicing a branch off or some sort of disaster happening where a branch gets broken off. And that can mean that a lot of parts grow around, like a lot of the branching needs to grow around, but there's still that sort of part that is never going to be exactly the same. And that's kind of how I see people when it comes to like, you know, like trees. Yeah. I can't remember if I've said this to you before, but that's kind of how I view it with experiences. There is actually a similar sort of thing, but a bit different, but there's this incredible um, book called... Oh, um, how Trees Talk, I think. Right. Or... I can Google it. Yeah. I can't remember the actual specific, specific name of the book, but it's... um. Once you've found it, basically, it's a book about the ways in which trees and plants communicate with each other. The Hidden Life of Trees. There we go. Yeah. That's it. The Hidden Life of Trees. It's an audio book as well. Yeah. So. Who's the author? Um, the author is um, Peter Wolleben. That's the one. W-A-O-H-L-L-E-B-E-N. Yeah, absolutely fantastic book, but it really explores whether plants have what you would call emotions or not and how they communicate with each other and how plants have, in a way, their own society. It's just, it's because we can't see it necessarily. Obviously, we we can measure it in certain ways and that's part of what the book explores as well, but because there's this weird, uh, there's this weird thing in the human psyche where if 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 we can't actually see it happening, then there's some doubt cast about it. Mm. Humans like to see to believe something, and it's I see it in a lot of cases with um, people who people who discuss pain with animals, like uh, people who say that fish don't feel pain, mm. things like that. It's um, it's really interesting to see how humans can perceive that there's nothing going on when in reality underneath it there could be this whole network. So of things the like- lobster boiling thing. Like where the people were talking about how you can boil a lobster but you shouldn't because they can actually feel pain. It's like all that sort of, we don't think they can. So it's like that dissonance. Yeah, yeah, in a way. Just sort of, I, I don't know, I, I, I like seeing how... Uh, how things can be ignored, in a way. Mm, yeah. There's a lot of hidden ways. One example I use of communication is bees have been shown to be affected by Wi-Fi signals. They, because, really? Well, yeah, I mean, it sounds quite woo-woo in a sense, and I was sceptical, but it's like, a, it does make sense of, like, think about waves of any, of the way they transmit. Mm. It's not just Wi-Fi's magic, and it's just we've got one thing somewhere and one thing somewhere else, and it's shooting energy there, and nothing other than these machines we've created could ever detect or tell they're even happening. You know, it's it's like we can't see the wind, but it's there because you see other things react to it. And it's, it's mm-hmm. like this. It is interesting you say about humans having that dissonance because that's what I'd say racism is a lot of the time that. Mm, you find definitely. a lot of the time when people are racist, they haven't met anyone of a different ethnic sort of background. It, yeah. it happens a lot in the South America. And I'll see a lot of people, if, if there's a certain town or area that's quite racist, 
if someone of a certain ethnic uh, background moves into that and they've had some discrimination against them, they're likely to want to move out or not suggest that area to other people of other ethnic backgrounds if they know others. And it's like, you know, they made to move out and more white people move in, they're kind of that sort of thing, you know. Have you seen Get Out? No, I haven't. You need to, it's amazing. I, I've heard this from so many people. Yep, you need to watch that movie. Oh, so good. I need to watch it again, actually. But, um, yeah, it, it has to be, it's a negative feedback loop sort of thing, you know. It's, it's what can happen a lot of the time with the socioeconomic things as well. Yeah. I'm flying off on a hundred different tangents at once, so. No, it's yeah. okay, so am I. My mind is all over the place. Yeah. I'm trying to pick up five different conversations at the same time. Yeah, that is pretty much what we're doing. Um, but yeah, with we're talking about trees having feeling pain, mm-hmm. and there's the part which was. Did you know that there's certain trees? I think it's the acacia tree. I think they release the it's gas. chemical yeah. that tastes different, bitter from like uh, caterpillars. Is that what you're thinking of? No. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the acacia tree. I'm going to have to. I know. I know what you're talking about, though. Now, I was actually thinking about the. Um, there are some plants, especially. Uh, grasses a lot of grasses do it um if it's cut or if um the bark is pulled off or if it's cut in half or anything depending on the size of the plant um it releases a it releases a chemical or a a gas of some sort that alerts nearby plants of the situation oh i've heard of that yes i know you mean yeah yeah continue yeah yeah but that was basically it yeah it's, it's been they've shown that like with a lot of the time it's sound as well because like if you play the sound of um there's a study here which is yeah if you if you play the sound of a caterpillar on certain on a flowering plant related to cabbage or mustard so it's not the acacia or something else um it basically when the caterpillar starts to chew it it then the color the, the certain mustard oils and things come out when mm-hmm. it comes something's eating it it vibrates and it releases more of it yeah so it tastes worse Wow. So what happens is, is the caterpillar eventually just doesn't want to eat it. And what's the bit shown with other plants and trees and things, certain ones that have a similar reaction, is that they can play the sound of a caterpillar doing that, but mm-hmm. not have an actual caterpillar there. And they will still react in the same way. They will become, they'll taste different. It's really weird. That is weird. It's 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 crazy. So they're able to distinguish um, feeding vibrations as well from environmental things it's concluded it's brilliant actually on on the idea of um of the of the bees reacting to what, what, what was it you said wi-fi the wi-fi yeah can you just i'm all, all i can picture right now is just bees on surfboards like riding x-waves um there's certain things which says um are some people are asking is wi-fi killing bees is wi-fi one of the things that's causing um their sort of decline yeah a lot of things every website you go on now comes up with a cookies thing yeah every every single it's because of the new GDPR laws I I should know the name of that because I work in insurance we (laughs) do that sort of tomfoolery yeah Um, it's harmful to bees I googled Wi-Fi and saw the discussion about wireless effects has anyone ever apparently there's a study there's a link here which is a study to like a thing that did not show an increased rate of cancer with bees Oh god! Some of these people have written like huge amount of uh, answers to this. Apparently, people are saying bees are dying. Uh, something about water poisoning people, animals. Oh no! Someone's talking about crazy stuff now. <laughs> someone's talking about transgenetic mutations. Scientists putting pesticide genes inside caterpillars, putting fish genes inside tomato skins. Wow! This person, what? 
that that just thing I just went on that forum post just went completely off the rails. I've, well, I I saw something similar um, recently when I was uh, well, back when I was still working at um, at the call center. Mm. I was looking into reviews for the for the company, and I saw some. I saw a couple of YouTube videos. One of the YouTube videos was about how smart meters are supposedly uh, ra- like radioactive, and you can't get. You're not supposed to get within one meter of them. <laughs> and pre- well, no, um, women uh, people shouldn't get within eighteen inches of it, and pregnant women shouldn't get within like two meters of it. Apparently, and I was I was watching that video, and I was sat there thinking, this absolute bull. I I, I can't. How how is this how is this something that people genuinely believe? Yeah, like, they just don't look up things and don't research stuff. Yeah, but I do want to say I have looked up more stuff about the B thing. Yeah, and I have found something called Newsweek, which says in a new analysis, an EU-funded review body dedicated ninety-seven studies about it, and it said that um, it's about electromagnetic radiation, which is what happens when there's like certain Wi-Fi towers up and other things like that, and more satellites, and it's saying that. Uh, it could pose a potential risk to bird and insect orientation because the new finding, as well as some studies in 2010, yeah, 2010 have suggested, is that radio waves can disrupt can disrupt the magnetic compass that many migrating birds and insects use. The creatures become disorientated. Wow! So that's that's from Newsweek. I'm, I'm, the Telegraph also reported it, saying it's got a link to the Telegraph. Hmm. Which, yeah. Um. Yeah, it's gone to the Telegraph. So so there are certain things I would class as legitimate news sites, mainly the Telegraph and a couple of other things, which are saying electromagnetic radiation from power lines and phone masts can threaten wildlife. So those sort of things are just like, we can't tell, we, you can't see radiation happening. So a microwave, you can't see mm-hmm. it. But it doesn't mean it's not there. Yeah. And a good example to use of people is dog whistles. Yeah. You can't hear a dog whistle, but dogs react to them so they can hear it. People yeah. can, we can't, there's certain things we can't sense and this can lead on to like what was what we were talking about to begin with the whole idea of physics and life and things is like if you if there's a creature that's born with no eyes you can't just it it doesn't miss sight do you know what I mean mm. and it's the same with like there may be way things that we can't senses that we don't have that we you know for example we can't see UV light yeah and things like that so well what other light sources can we not see what like mantis shrimp can see some ridiculous amount of colours more than the human eye can. Yeah. And things like that. And it's like, what would the world look like through those sorts of eyes? And imagine being able to, Josh once described it as, you imagine trying to see through your arm. That's what it's like if you're blind. You know, if, you, if you're like never born with sight and you, you wouldn't know the sight existed. It's like you wouldn't even, it's not, it just isn't a thing. Yeah. Uh, creatures have other ways of, Getting or getting the way around, and it's just like I wonder how we could see if we weren't just these sort of basic things we have, like, yeah. the, like the parallel potential parallel universes and multiverse theory, or what other things that could be. Well, you say basic, but I mean the human eye is one of the most complicated and like incredible evolutionary sort of things <laughs> in a well, sense. Yeah, but there's it's also absolutely incredible octopus eyes and. Um, are God, better yeah, in a lot no, of ways. Definitely, there, there are eyes. eyes mammals, there are eyes on mammals, this planet that are insane. In, yeah, incredible. But like, even just the human eye, just the the incredible uh, complexity involved with seeing and sight is absolutely ridiculous. But no, I have a lot of conversations like this with my friends about how 
different that there are there could be animals on this planet that have another sense mm. in a, in a sense that we've got taste and touch etc um there could be other senses and there, there are other senses like mm. uh, sharks use uh they haven't they have an extra sense of the words their nose isn't it you punch their nose it messes with it no um i was going to say sharks have another sense which is what it works in a similar way to echolation mm. um but obviously humans don't have that we, yeah, because echolocation for people who don't know is the thing that bats do with sonar and stuff, and yeah. just for people, yeah, sorry, yeah, exactly. Um, and well, we we don't we don't know that, and we didn't know that was a thing until we observed it. So there are there could be and probably are plenty of different types of senses out there that we don't know about yet that animals have that we just have have yet to observe. Mm. Especially considering there are probably tens of thousands, if not millions, of possible species and different kinds of life out there that we haven't discovered yet and what percentage of those are going to be animals that can experience senses in a sense of that and what what kind of things are we missing out on in seeing that Mm, i think a lot of that with uh, a lot of the deep sea animals the ones Mm. that are like very far because we're living under that sort of pressure uh like atmospheric pressure uh, as well as you know being in pitch black darkness having to obviously sense in different ways and mm. things and it's just like some of the creatures down there we've explored so little of the ocean i think it's like we know more about the moon than our own oceans like the deepest yeah, parts there is a ridiculous amount of the world's oceans that are just unexplored mm. so so what things could be there and there's a certain still i think of all the insects and things we found i think the percentage is less than five percent of all yeah. insects we think we've documented it's just like think about walking through a forest how many insects you hear and you could maybe grab you think like, oh, there's so many bugs here, but you actually try and look and grab and or observe them in a specific way, and it becomes a lot more difficult because of all the ways that they've specifically evolved to not get found. Yeah. So some sort of stumbling human who's got no adaptation to the environment and the eyes <laughs> that haven't got perfectly suited for movement in the same way that say other predators would have. Hmm. It's there's so many things that we haven't discovered, and it's like, what 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 senses could they have? Yeah. I think about that with like. You know, you can you can argue that when people do some sort of crazy, uh, when they do like meditation, like intense meditation, they say they kind of transcend and they feel one with the universe. sort of feeling mm. that can be part of what it is. Some people say they do uh, dimethyltryptamine, you know, DMT. Yeah, so, you know, they smoke that and then you go into this uh, sort of other realm and things. And uh, it's people say it can't explain it. It's just an impossible thing to do. And it's like, what other things are there? That it seems like there's so many things. It seems like uh, getting drunk, for example. It's like it's it's a it changes you. Even having caffeine, it changes you in a certain way. You can have like it's such a widespread of things of that humans haven't experienced, and we just think we know so much about everything, and we have like the hubris like mm. a lot of people. And I think that's one of the things that bothers me about religion in some way, where they think they've kind of got all the answers. Yeah. Why I love thirst for knowledge, and I love. The religious community and what was what were your spiritual religious ideologies and stuff um it's tricky because i was raised church of england mm. um i have dabbled in various religions i've done lots of research personal research just to discover more about various religions into hinduism and buddhism islam um i really enjoy learning about other types of cultures and religions and i've never really found one that entirely 
clicks with me. And I, I've never figured out if that's because I don't believe in an entity like that or, or if it's because I just... I just haven't found the right fit for myself. If if there is, if there could be some sort of faith out there for me that is perfect, but in that sense, I feel as though religions can. A lot of people view them in different ways. So, an English modern Christian is going to have a lot to say that's different about the Bible compared to, let's say, a traditional. Um, a, tra- a traditional Christian, as it were, uh, living in uh, Alabama, for example, mm. so, something like that. They're gonna, the, the way they, the way in which they view Christianity in the Bible is likely going to be very different, and that's just within one religion. If you go into the subsections of that, even Catholicism, and then going, you know, deeper, the various split-offs of each religion. Everybody's got their own thing to say. So, in that sense, I feel as though most organised religions are just complete not not frauds as it were but it's the, the monetizing of it. it's very tailored towards mm. specific people and um faith as it's as as its own thing is is it's the it's the top top of the umbrella as it were it's it's the it's, it's where everything else sort of stems from so I really have no idea what part of religion I would fit into, but on the spirituality side of things, I do believe in 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 a way the energy of the universe, but not in a sense of um, not not in a sense of actual like chakras and things, but more all matter has some sort of charge, for mm-hmm. example, and how uh, that kind of energy influences and is influenced by the universe and situations that happen and you know something knocking over that is that is a movement of energy that is some sort of expenditure of energy and how that is fed back into the in into the planet as it were and things like that like uh dead bodies as well um the release of all of that energy from the body as it as it uh decomposes and feeds back into the planet things like that so I, I wouldn't say that i'm particularly spiritual in a sense but i definitely believe in that kind of thing yeah I, i'm i'm on the same page i, I believe there's a, a universal energy um there's i don't believe in a god or like i don't believe in there being a god in a sense of like i just believe the universe is all about balance and i just think it's all you know you can't you can't dig a hole without making like a hill, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you can't, or a mountain be more, you know, a grandiose <laughs> metaphor. But you know what I mean? Like you, you can't. It if you think of everything as flat, it's like every up needs a down. It's even like a yeah. heartbeat. If you see that, like a with, with heart rate monitors and things. Every reaction has a reaction. Yeah, and it's just everything. It's like you can't. Energy cannot be sort of destroyed. It can just be transferred. So it's just always there's. There's a certain amount of matter in the universe and a certain amount of energy in the universe that is coinciding in some crazy way that mm. is just kind of always up and downing all the time. Yeah. And I just think that the universe has a hierarchy that's just flat. I think, yeah, obviously we seem to an ant. It's like us, we are more important. And I would not put a human's life in front, I would put an ant's life in front of a human's life. But it is that sort of thing of when you get more complicated matters with like dolphins and orcas. And they're such an elephants, and it's real all, intelligent creatures. And they just communicate in ways like dolphins have a 
they've shown that dolphin the, the noises they make have accents mm. and slight twitch you know, like uh, changes in the dialect yeah regionally yeah so they have accents in their language we don't understand their language you know we understand pieces of it but we're not fluent in it obviously yeah but there's like the ways these creatures communicate and you see on like certain nature documentaries yeah, I'd, I'd love to meet a human that was fluent in dolphin. That would be incredible, spectacular. But no, I see. I definitely see. I definitely see where you're coming from. Um, it's uh, it is really it is really interesting to see how different species can interact with each other as well. Like um, like uh, meows, cats meowing. There have been studies into it recently that have found that cats will meow in a very specific way with their owner and um it's it's incredible to think that cats have developed their own language with their owner and mm. the cats they, they still don't know if they actually talk to each other but um I, I would i would think that they do um but just in a in a different way from what we can see i think a lot of a lot of communication from cats, I feel, is uh, is a non-verbal thing. So, um, like humans have body language, cats have extremely expressive body language. Same with dogs, like mm. uh, tail between the legs, etc., things like that. I feel as though um, when talking about language and the way in which different species communicate with each other, I, th- I feel as though a lot of a lot of people might sideline or just completely ignore the fact that body language is a massive part of communication and different animals can communicate with that as well. Mm, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a very good point. I mean, I was just thinking, uh, as you are saying, that like one of the things that – there's a Stephen Fry podcast that I really liked that he spoke about language in the first episode of it, and he was talking about how with language – change the way humans communicate a lot more than most other animals can because instead of just like pointing to something and having and you knowing that's rock or pointing to something and that's food you can describe things in the past present future tense Mm -hmm. which then brings a level of empathy eventually and bond and that sort of degree of you know i mean and it and it, it gets more and more complicated obviously the more layers of language you delve into and things but it's just like it's crazy to think something we take for granted so much Mm. language and it's it's so crazy of being able to discuss that sort of thing um what were you talking about a minute ago that lead me onto language because i've completely forgotten oh uh different species and the way in which they communicate with each other yes and cats meowing wasn't it yeah and i was gonna say with the language even though with all that craziness you can still if we were just in this room and we weren't doing a podcast we would, and we couldn't talk, and we couldn't write things down. We would be able to generally, we would be able to just sit and do nothing. We'd have to watch TV or play some sort of video game or something, I imagine, and, uh, rather than just me and you randomly just sitting here trying to point out things. But generally interacting, like you getting into the car, like uh, when I brought you here, and then I was just like when we had dinner, that sort of thing. That wouldn't have needed necessary language because I could have pointed to certain things, mm. this sort of thing. But obviously, language does add another layer to it. But obviously with animals, that's one of the things of the ages because they say that I think cats are equivalent to like four to six-year-olds and dogs are like Uh, five to eight. No, it's – well, a a Labrador retriever is equivalent to about a three- or four-year-old toddler. Right. Yeah. So I think think there are certain dogs that are more intelligent than cats. 
But I think obviously it depends because I think chihuahuas are like very not intelligent compared to like a husky, for example. They're quite same dog compared to just like cat. Like all cats are generally the same size. Like there's a few variations, but with mm. dog, there's a huge difference. Yeah. Well, this is the thing, actually, though, because, I mean, there are tons and tons of different kinds of cats. It's just that because they're roughly the same size and then one of their main differences is just colour. People don't really tend to notice the breed differences, but they have tons of different kinds of breeds of cats out there. Oh, yeah, I knew that I've seen the the really big Siberian cat, one of the sort of mountain cat things, mm. a gigantic, like a really big dog. Uh, I've seen, obviously, hairless Siamese. I've seen the flat-faced ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen, obviously... The, the house cat, which is like, you've got the black cat, tortoiseshell tabby. Yeah. Um, got savannas and Burmese Bengals. cats and stuff. Yeah. And Bengals as well, because Jasmine's yeah. cat's half Bengal. Yeah. You can tell he's a lot more playful and stuff than a lot of other cats. One of my uh, couple of friends I've got up in uh, up in Surrey, they've got a savannah cat, which is incredible. You know, the big, sleek Bengals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking gorgeous. Yeah, I love cats and dogs. Yeah. I love them both so much. What do you prefer if you can only have one? Oh, that's a question. I don't know, because I absolutely adore dogs. I love dogs so much. There are so many great types of dog, and I definitely want to have a dog one day, but um, when I've got the time and space, mainly. Um, But also, I've had... Very recently, my cat died, and I've had him for... I had him for 18 years, his whole life. I see, yeah. So I grew up with this cat you know so he's um very very important to me and because i had that sort of bond with a cat growing up now i've got a bit of a soft spot for cats as well i've had dogs my whole life as well Hmm. but the cat would sort of sleep in my bed and i always had a much closer bond with that cat so i would say in general i'm more of a dog person but specific cats i can create really sort of lovely bonds with and there are like some of my friends have some cats that i just click with like um actually it's it's really lovely my uh my boyfriend's cat i well i I went to meet his family uh for the first time for dinner and didn't i I wanted to meet the cat while i was there but the cat didn't come inside it was outside all the time i was like okay that's fine next time i went, went around for dinner uh the cat came inside for a short time and very nervous cat like in- incredibly sort of shy with strangers and new people and I, I I thought that it was just going to sort of wander off but I managed to after a couple minutes of sort of slowly sort of getting closer and talking to her, to her she um, she sort of came over and allowed me to stroke her and uh, I gave her a little scratch behind the ears and sort of it was really lovely because she just sort of let me stroke her for a little while and everybody in the room hit like my boyfriend and his family were all like what the <laughs> fuck <laughs> how is she letting you do this she doesn't ever let strangers do this so quickly to her and I was like yeah we it's nothing greater yeah. than when you get when you get like animal love especially yeah. when it's an animal that is normally not into exactly. people it's like yes I've I'm been bad chosen. all of you bitches yeah man totally well it's getting kind of um, we've been chatting for an over an hour now uh, so it's it's probably time to wrap up just so we can hang out a little bit before you go. We always uh, do this. <laughs> End up talking and then not realising what the time is until it comes to at least an hour in and we're like, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I'm sure we can just do another one of these another time again, either later in the year before you go or some shit like that. I don't know. Or maybe when you're in Bristol, have a chat with you when you're in Bristol. Yeah. 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 You're always welcome on the podcast. And whatever, especially with whatever things you come out with, like, uh, 
be a book (laughs) your book or anything else like that or any of your it's a book of random bullshit that's all it is okay that's cool (laughs) I'm I'm looking forward to that hashtag the book of random bullshit exactly okay anything else you want to say before uh, turn it off or are you all good next rule no (laughs) (laughs) you're very very British (laughs) you speak very very British next 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 not American yeah yes baseball no yeah uh uh Oh, yes. <laughs> shouldn't you know no for saying idea. that? I have no idea. Oh, um, I'm sorry, American fans. She's a heathen. But I'm going to have to look it up now just to clarify. Yeah. <laughs> because if uh, I'm saying it, Knicks is a baseball team. I'm pretty it's not, sure it's baseball. Uh, it's the New York Yankees, but it's the Knicks. I'm just going to type in Knicks. Yeah. How do you. K N I C K S. The New York Knicks. I said New York, didn't I? I said yeah. New York Yankee. Oh, man. Yeah, New York Knicks. Um,. Oh, I think they're NBA, they're basketball. Oh, I said that's, baseball. That's what it is. I said baseball and it was Fucking, basketball. God dang it. No, I oh, literally, terrible. I was sat here like, why do I remember that name? Where where could I recognise that from? It's because although I have nothing to do with sports, really, I've been playing lots of uh, NBA 2K16 and 2K18 recently oh, on the PlayStation. Okay. So. Yeah, I see. <laughs> nice. Some of those sports games are pretty damn good, though. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but, it's just brilliant. Anyway. So, yeah, go Knicks, even though neither of us knew what sport they were or what, what um, city in America they were. But I knew they are American, and I knew it was... I only, to be fair, base, baseball, basketball, you know, is there like, what, two-letter difference? Yeah, there's only a couple of Two-letter difference. K in the team, mates, guys. It's guys, fine. They've both got balls involved. we got enough T over in Britain, so that's fine. You exactly. Know? Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for coming on, DJ. Thank you very much for having me, Mike. And that's the end of the podcast. Thanks, as always, for tuning in, guys. Uh, next week, um, I believe I'll be releasing potentially more discussions with uh, TJ and potentially one with Bradley as well. I'm, I'm having them over next week, and we spoke about doing a podcast. So it may be Christmas-orientated. It may not be. I have no idea what it's going to be about. Um, so it may be that, or it may be a science but simple, because I'm planning on re- uh, recording another one of those with Josh. So keep your eyes out, I guess. I said in one of the previous outros, but I just want to repeat myself. Um, essentially, I'm not going to be releasing an episode between Christmas and New Year. Um, obviously, I normally release my episodes on a Sunday, and there is a Sunday. Um, I believe it's the 30th, actually. Um, I Yeah, I, I generally don't release between Christmas and New Year. It's a time where from essentially Christmas Eve to the 2nd of January, I take time off work and I just want to chill out. Um, as much as I love doing this podcast, generally numbers aren't as good around the Christmas period because everyone else is quite busy as well. Um, so for for me, just it's a nice break for me to kind of take a break, and I hope you all can understand. I haven't had any huge complaints about it, so I would assume that all of you are fine with it. Um, in the new year, I'll be releasing my two-part chat with Tom King, which is a fantastic one. Um, I'll potentially have another science, but simple, as mentioned previously. I don't know when I'll be uh, releasing that. And then I've got a lot of collaborations on the way, um, talking to several different people. I don't really want to mention them at the moment, because the thing is, if any of them pull out or anything like that, then... I'll seem like a fool. So, yeah, it's more or less everything, really, guys. Um, as always, follow us on the usual Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Instagram's probably the best place because I post snippets of the show and additional images, as well as movie reviews, other goings on in my life, and just cool stuff I find. So, you know, be sure to check that out. Um, also, music. I occasionally post music recommendations on there, too. Um, Twitter's just kind of uh, a community thing between other podcasters. So, if you want to get into new podcasts, check it out on Twitter. Uh, Facebook, 
Facebook. I don't use quite as much, but I still just post new episodes, including the snippets I post on Instagram and occasional movie reviews. So that's kind of what you're in for if you follow us on any of those three things. If you don't want to on any of those three and you're happy just to keep your eye on the show or subscribed, that's perfectly fine too. I just appreciate any and all of you listening. Um, leaving a review on iTunes is always appreciated though because you know it helps the spotlight sort of get on the show and hopefully creeps up the iTunes charts and gets other people to listen to the show but you know I understand if everyone wants to do that and that's completely fine uh, I think that's more or less it for the time being guys unless I've forgotten something which I don't think I have so um, thanks always for tuning in guys I appreciate each and every one of you listening straight up to the end and I'll talk to you all next week <laughs>